Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Today we are going to look at a life of faith from first to last. The life of faith from first to last, that is given in Romans chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. The verse is like this. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Whole life from beginning to end as a Christian is a life of faith. From beginning to end. From first to last. Sure. I want to give you another word. The word is ecosystem. Now, what's the meaning of this word? It's, it is an ecosystem is complex network of interconnected systems. I'll explain. Silicon Valley, the ecosystem is for entrepreneurs. It has an ecosystem of entrepreneurs. The whole Silicon Valley, and everybody knows about that, they are all entrepreneurs. They are all startups. They're all, you know, doing something, breakthroughs in, in software. So it's a whole, you know, the valley is an ecosystem. Everybody's interconnected. The buzzword, the buzzword over there is entrepreneurship, startups, breakthroughs. Bangalore is, is, is a close third after London. First is Silicon Valley. My neighbor just came, a new neighbor I have. And uh, I tried to get to know him. And he says, I'm from the States. He's of, of Indian origin. He says, I'm from the States. I said, what made you come to, the, to Bangalore? He says, oh, well, startups. I'm starting something. Bangalore is the place. Startups. The church is a household of God. And the church must be an ecosystem of faith and love. Right? The buzzword must be faith and love. And, and Siri, when there is an ecosystem of faith and love inside the church, and not only in Adonai, the whole church of God, miracles will follow. All right? Miracles will popping up here, popping up there. That is an outcome of faith and love. Faith in God and love for God. And love for each other. If this is the ecosystem in the church, then you will see breakthroughs in the city of Bangalore, in India. You see breakthroughs after breakthroughs. So, the, this ecosystem, of course, must start in the home. In your home and my home. Now, you will say, you know, my home is not perfect. That's true. All of us are not perfect. There is not a single person over here who is perfect. So, if your home is not perfect... My home is also not perfect. We are all imperfect people. But we depend. We have faith in the power of God. Right? We have faith in God's power. He is going to do it. And we are going to live a life of faith from first to last. Right? So, five points. Five points. First point, faith. What is it? 
Second point, faith brings pleasure to God. Third point, faith comes first, understanding follows. Fourth, faith is developed to make you confident in God and an overcomer. What? Overcomer. Fifth, faith, when it is developed, will make you more than conquerors. Faith, when it is developed with declaration, will make you more than conquerors. So that's our aim. First, to become pleasing to God. Then moving on to become an overcomer. Moving on to become more than conquerors. That's our goal. What? More than conquerors. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be overcomers and more than conquerors. Okay. So let's start with point one. Faith. What is it? Now, we look at Hebrews 11 verse 1 to 3. And this is in the NKJV. Alright? Or KJV. Version. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's important. Not seen. Faith is the substance. So this word substance, we are going to understand. We are going to understand the word evidence. And verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Okay, verse 2 is, for, for by it the elders, the good testimony is something that we are going to understand. Third verse, by faith we understand that the words are framed by the word of God, so that the things which are, were, which are seen were made of things which are not visible. Anyway, now, we're going to understand this verse properly. The first thing which I want to tell you is this word substance, right? What's the meaning of substance? Substance means a foundation, something to support you. Sure. Faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. If that foundation is weak, what will happen to the house, it will just fall down. Foundation, that is the substance. Faith is the foundation. I want to rest my body on this chair. I trust it. Right? I trust it. I have faith that it won't break. I'm quite comfortable sitting on this chair. This is my substance. Faith is the substance. So you would say, you know, I mean, that is something which is seen. Yeah. Faith is the confidence. Confidence. Confidence in God's word. Confidence that it will not prove futile. Faith is the confidence of things which are hoped for. The evidence means the inner conviction, the assurance inside of things not seen, not seen. Let me say something. That's a description of faith. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That is given in the NIV. That's the better translation as far as explanation is going. That's the NIV. Confidence. It's, you know, somebody would ask you, you ask a young man, he says, uh, 
hey, uh, how did you fare in your exams? He said, I'm hoping for the first class. Really? Yeah, I'm hoping for the first class. Are you sure? Of course, man. I have faith in what I have done, you know. I have faith in, 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 you know, in what I have written. So, you see, he's got faith in something which he's hoping for, but he has not yet got that first class. He's something which is not seen. He has faith, confidence, confidence in what he has hoped for, and he's assured inside his heart that come what may, he's going to get through. He's going to get a first class. He's got an inside assurance. So that's the description of faith. Now, if when this is so, when this is so, see, it is because of God's word. We have faith in God's word that what he has promised, he will fulfill. When he is going to fulfill, that's a different thing. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. But you have faith in what he has promised. You have confidence. You have an assurance inside your heart that what he has promised, you will get it. You will get it. That's what faith is. There's something that you can, even if it is not seen, in the eyes of faith, you can see it. You can see it. In the eyes of faith, you have it already. All right. Now, the second point about faith is in verse 2. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. In the NIV, it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. This is what the ancients were commended for. Commended means they were honored. So, faith, when you have faith, you are honored. You're commended. All right? You're commended. And the third thing is that in verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made of things which are not made of things which are visible. Right? So, you see, God, his currency is faith. He, he made everything through faith in his word. He made the whole thing, the whole universe, by just speaking it out. You see, his words, he has total, total confidence in his words. So that's his currency. So being in the household of God, that should be our currency. And he made you and I because he loved us. So whatever he did, he did it out of love, but by faith. So there are two things which are important in our life. Love and faith. And we are going to look at faith. Without love, your faith is useless. Alright? But with love and faith, you will work things. So right now, we are going to look at only faith. Right? That's the currency of the household of God. Now, faith, I tell you, enables you to see. It, 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 faith is not something useless. People say, you must have blind faith. Sorry, faith can see. Faith is practical. Unbelievers, because they have no faith, will laugh at you. But faith is practical. You know, Noah was told to build a boat. Everybody laughed at him. Everybody laughed. And he took such a long time to build that boat. But he could see it. He had faith. 
He could see it. And he built it. You see, everything, if you want to be commended in the Christian life, you must have faith. And faith is not blind. Faith can see. Faith can see. And when faith sees, faith does. Point number two. Faith brings pleasure to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? You see, God made the whole universe. And he told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But you know what they did? They ate from that tree. And why did they eat from that tree? Because the devil said, did God really say? Did he really say? He planted doubt and eventually made them disobey. See, and the whole world is suffering because of that particular sin which has fractured each and every person born of Adam. Completely fractured. We are a fractured people. There is pain, there is suffering in our lives. Everywhere. Everywhere. In the whole, whole world. And through all the ages, there are wars, there are diseases, there are this and that. Because of sin. Because we doubted God's word. And so, faith brings pleasure to God. Because if you have faith in God, this is, ha, ah, at last, that you are believing. You see, faith is normal for believers. The very fact that you're called a believer means that you have faith. Otherwise, you would not be called a believer. So you and I have faith inside. The fact that we have faith we became believers. So the moment you're a believer, God says, I love you the way I love my son. So he can't love you more than what he does right now. And yet, when you have faith, you bring pleasure to God. I'll give you an example. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. This was about the centurion. And he took Jesus at his word. And Jesus was amazed at him. You see, every time you believe in God's word, you, you're pleasing God. And what I would love to see is that the church has such faith that Jesus is amazed at us. He's stunned at us. Can you imagine? The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro, and then suddenly he stops at Adonai Church because this is a community that has faith and love, and he is amazed at us. He's amazed at us. Wow! You bring warmth to the heart of Jesus when you display faith, right? And you display faith. So faith pleases God. It brings warmth to his heart. And he's stunned by your faith. Now, third point. Faith comes first. Understanding follows. That's what the Bible teaches us. By faith we understand. See, which comes first? Faith comes first. Understanding follows.
When we were first born again, I remember before I was born again, the Bible was there, but I found it difficult to open the, the book. And whenever I opened the book, I was challenged, and I quickly shut it. And sometimes when I opened the book, I found it so thick, like a telephone directory or like a dictionary. I mean, it's difficult to read it without going to sleep. And then I got born again. And when I got born again, I loved the Bible. I loved it. You see, faith comes first. The moment I had put my faith in Christ, my eyes were opened, and I saw the Bible, and I loved it. That is our testimony. We love God's word when God opens our eyes. Faith comes first. Follows, understanding follows. Let us look at 2 Corinthians 3, 14 and 16. But their minds were made dull for to this, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. That means only when you turn to Christ, the veil is removed. Then you can understand. Then you can see the glory of God. Right? Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their eyes. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, Faith first. The veil is removed. And you can see the glory of God. Right? This applies to the Jews, but it is also for everybody. Let us look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Veil means they can't see the glory of God. The God of this age, that is the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. The minds can see, but they can't see because of the veil. They cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of God, who is the image of God. See, first comes faith. Without faith, if they don't turn to God, there is a veil. And so there's no point in keeping on battling with the unbelievers. No, no, the, the Bible is like, this thing is that thing. You preach the gospel. But how is the veil removed? Because the Bible says in Titus 2 verse 11, but the grace, but the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. To all. The grace of God has appeared. So, when the evangelism team goes out, they preach the gospel. They give the tracts because the grace of God has appeared. And suddenly, the guy who puts his faith there, his veil is removed and he can see the glory of God and he gives his heart to Jesus. Evangelism is very important. We have to go out with the gospel. How can they be saved if they do not hear and how can they hear if there is no one to preach to them? How can they hear? How can they be saved if they do not hear? That's what the Bible says. And how can they hear if there is no one to preach to them? Faith comes first, then understanding. So we are called to preach the gospel. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 17 to 18. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces. Now, as a believer, the veil is taken off. We can see the glory of God. We all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So there are two things here. Verse 17, the Holy Spirit gives us liberty, freedom from condemnation so that we can call God Abba Father. Verse 18, the veil is taken off so we can see the glory of God. Yeah. And the more we see, the more we contemplate, we are transformed. How does he transform us? By his power. And don't underestimate his power. I'll give you an example. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. It says, this attitude of Christ should be the same. I mean, we should have the same attitude as that of Christ. That means we must have the same mind in some translations as the mind of Christ. Same attitude. So what is his attitude? Who though being God did not grasp equality with God, but became man, became a human, became nothing actually, nothing. He became nothing. That's the attitude of Christ when he was obedient even to death on a cross. This word nothing got me. I said, how can I be nothing? I mean, I'm, I've got a personality. I've got something. I mean, how can I be zero? I was thinking, how can I be zero? Okay, I'm a zero. Zero. I can't be a zero. And I was thinking what it is to be nothing. And then somewhere I read and I agreed with that. And this is what I realized this word nothing means. You see, God is so big. I mean, he's so huge. He made the billions and billions of stars. I mean, he's mighty. You can't fathom his greatness. We can sing about it like our brother John led us, but we can't really understand how big he is. And that God became man. Teeny, witty man like you and I. Then he went even further. And he became a servant of man. You know, the difference between me and an ant is much smaller than the difference between God and me. You agree? Now, can you imagine I have called to be an ant? Then once I become an ant, I've got to be the servant of ants. Oh, man, I can't do it. I just can't do it. That's the word means nothing. Okay? And he became nothing. And I thought, God, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I say, how, how is it possible? It's possible when I face the Lord with unveiled faces and he transforms me. All right? I don't under, underestimate his power to transform me. All I have to do is to spend time with God and with unveiled faces. So if you ask me my prayer life, I will tell you, it's 80% spending time with God and 20% praying. Or maybe 85% spending time with God and 15% praying. Because spending time with God in the study of His Word, in the time that I spend in thanksgiving and worship, just spending time with Him transforms me. And then my prayer starts. I spend a lot of time in his presence, because he transforms me. 
He transforms me through His Word. And even as I'm preaching, the Word of God is transforming you. Because that's God's Word. It's touching you. The Holy Spirit is imprinting His Word in you. And His Word is transforming you. And that's how the church is built. That's how it is built. The Bible says, take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew 11, verse 28. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest. You see, you don't have to strive. You've got to take his yoke. Now, what's the meaning of taking his yoke? The Bible also tells us, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. I mean, if you're yoked with an unbeliever, He's going, Japan, you're going to London. That's his direction. You're going that way. You understand? So, he says, don't be yoked with unbelievers. Because as a believer, you have a certain purpose, you have certain priorities, and you have certain dreams. And in your family budget, the two of you are going to fight. Because his dreams, or her dreams, her priorities, his priorities, and your spouse's dreams are different. As a believer, you're having different priorities, different purposes, and different dreams. And so, you're going to have some conflict, big conflict. God calls us, Jesus calls us, take my yoke. Take my dreams. Take my purposes. Take my priorities. And if you do that, I'll tell you something. And you, you will find rest. You don't have to strive. Just take it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't worry, I will fulfill everything else. You do mine. You see, the King David, he says, I want to build your temple. I want to build your house. Because I know your heart, Lord. You always want. That's your dream, Lord. Your dreams are always to live amongst your people. And I want to build a house for you. God says, good. You're fulfilling my dreams. Let me tell you, David, I will fulfill your dreams. I will make a house for you. Your house will last for eternity. Wow. Tremendous fulfillment. The prophet Haggai. He went. The prophet Haggai. He told the, the people, hey, uh, those who returned from, from Babylon. He said, hey, the temple of God is in ruins. And you guys are building your own homes and, you know, your own fields. This is what God says. You planted, but you got hardly anything. You worked so hard, but your return of investment is very, very small. Because you're not interested in building your house while my house is in ruins. They were convicted. And they began to build his house, his foundation. And then God spoke again through Haggai. He says, mark this day. Mark this day when you put your hands to build my foundation, to build the foundation of the temple. Mark this day because from this day I'm going to bless you. You can read that in the book of Haggai chapter 1 and 2. Mark this day the moment you take the yoke of God upon you. His purposes... His priorities, his dreams, he will fulfill your dreams. Mark it. That's faith. We do this by faith and get fulfilled in the bargain. 
Tremendous. Tremendous. But you've got to have an absolute surrender of your dreams, your purposes, and what? Your priorities. So many of us, you see, we come to God and say, God, see, you know, you promised, no? Are you going to build this? I want this. I want that. I want this. Oh, God. And we get frustrated. You know why? You know why we get frustrated? Because we're putting the cart before the horse. It doesn't work. Putting the cart before the horse. Your dreams before his dreams. Your priorities before his priorities. Your purposes before his purposes. How can it work? You see, how? That's not faith. You're making God your servant. God doesn't want you to be his servant only. We have to be his servant. But he calls us higher. He says, I want you to be my friends. To be a friend of God. To be yoked with him. He says, because all that I know from my father, I have made it known to you. I want to work with you. I want to work with you. Take my yoke. Take my priorities. Take my dreams. Then you become his friend. He works with you. Remember when we were small children, or even now, we have buddies, you know, friends. Whether you're a girl, boy, it doesn't matter. Two girls together. Chat, 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 chat. Even phoning up, chatting, chatting, chatting. Even young men, they work with, they do everything together. God wants to do everything with you. He wants to chat with you. He wants to be your buddy. But he wants to tell you his dreams. And he, he says, listen, I'm telling you my dreams only because if you fulfill my dreams, I will fulfill yours. That's the way it is. Because you see, your dreams are self-centered. You're selfish. Even though you don't think you are selfish. But we are terribly selfish people. Everything revolves around us. Me, mine, and everything. God says, fulfill my dreams. I will fulfill yours. I will fulfill yours. So, that's the meaning of taking his yoke. I've often said, Christianity is 100% grace, that is favor, and 100% hard work. I've often said that. But that is given in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. The grace of God is the favor of God. You take our, our dear brother, John Victor. I mean, there is favor of God upon him because the way he sings. I've not heard anyone sing the whole of Bangalore. Just like that. He's fantastic. That's the favor of God. Upon his life. But he has to work hard. He has to learn songs. He has to learn chords. He has to get his team together. They have to pray. And that's hard work. But if he only says, I've got the favor of God of singing. And just comes over here. I tell you, it won't work. There won't be any anointing. There won't be any progress. He can sing so well. Not going to move our hearts. You have to work hard. So. He has the favor of God upon him for a voice. But he has to work hard as well. 100% favor, 100% hard work. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Everybody, if you're a believer, has the favor of God. In somewhere or the other, some place or the other, you have a favor of God. But you, I ask you, what are you doing with God's favor upon your life? What are you doing? With God's favor upon your life. God has given us favor. God has given me favor. God has given you favor. God has given John Victor favor. God has given John Alexander favor. Praise God. John has, 
God has given Victor and Annie favor, but they are working hard. And if God has given you favor, God, if you really want to be a fulfilled life, going to take his yoke upon you, his purposes, his dreams, his priorities, and you've got to work hard. And I tell you, you will have the most glorious, fulfilled life because of him, because of him. And God wants to do that in each and every one of us. There are no exceptions here. Everybody. God, whether you're young or whether you're old, it doesn't matter. God wants to use us. He wants the whole church to be activated. He wants the church to be the household of God, a community of faith and love. That's what he wants. So, fourth point. Faith is being developed to make you confident in God and overcomer in the midst of two things, perplexity and trouble. In the midst of perplexity and trouble, God wants to develop your faith so that you become an overcomer. Okay? So let's start with perplexity. Perplexity means unknowns that we just can't understand. Many things happen in our lives that we just don't know why it happens. We just don't know on earth why, God, this is happening to me. What have I done? I mean, that guy has sinned even more than I. And I'm getting a kick. And I don't know why. Perplexity. Why is he blessed and I'm not blessed? Perplexity. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Forevermore. You know, God has made a covenant with us. He says, trust in that covenant. You've got to trust me. Be quiet. Like a weaned child, trust the mother. Like a weaned child, trust the mother. He shed his blood for you. He broke his body for you on the cross. He says, surrender to me. Because I first sang that song, I surrender all for you on that cross. He says, you surrender your understanding to me. Surrender everything to me. See, it's all right to have questions. Questions are not bad. Why, Lord, this? You can say that. But questions must always be in the atmosphere of quiet trust. Not for argument's sake. I'll tell you an example. I remember this Isaac. He was walking with Abraham, his father. And he knew that Abraham was going to suck. And Isaac was not a small boy. Huh? Probably he was in his early 20s. So he wasn't a chicken. And he was walking with Abraham. And he asked a question. There is the wood. There is this, but where is the lamb? Where is the bakra? That's all right to ask questions. Mary, when the angel Gabriel said, you're going to be pregnant, he said, listen, I don't know how because I've never been with a man. What's the process? That's all right. But Zechariah, the father of, of John the Baptist, when the angel came to him and says, you know, your wife is going to be pregnant, he had unbelief or bordering on unbelief. He said, what? How can it be? I'm so old. What are you saying? You know what happened to the what happened to Zechariah 
his mouth was shut. You know why his mouth was shut? Because he would have had a bad confession. So shut him up till the child was born. Then his mouth was opened. You see, God wants you to have quiet trust. It's all right to have questions, but it must be in the atmosphere of quiet trust. My heart is not proud. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. The things have gone wrong in your life and you just don't understand. Trust the covenant. He's there. We are here. He said, I have surrendered my life to you. I have given my life to you. I ask you for absolutes to me. That's faith. That's faith. Trust me. I'll work things out in your life. I'll work it out. Trust me. Amen? You understand the process now? Have faith. All right. The second point is this. Building up your faith. Faith is developed. Faith is developed by quiet trust. You understand? But faith is developed also in the midst of trouble. Point B. In the midst of trouble. So I'm going to show you something. I'm going to compare 1 John 2 verses 12 to 14 with Psalm 23. So the first thing is I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. Wow. On account of his name, and you have known the father. You call him Abba Father. You're like a small child. Huh? Happy that your sins are forgiven. You have a relationship with Abba Father. Wow, what can be better? Great, great. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And all I have to do is walkie, 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 walkie with him like a small child. I mean, it's good. Nothing is wrong with him. But you want to say, just like a small child. Walkie, 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 walkie. Everything is provided for. That's great. But faith is not developed. It is there. It is there. I mean, that's how you became a believer. That's how you accepted the Lord. That's there. It's good. Nothing is wrong. Your sins are forgiven. You have a relationship with Abba Father. And then God wants to develop your faith. So how does he develop your faith? Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. I write to you young men, no more children, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome. You become an overcomer. You're a young man and you're an overcomer. How does he make you an overcomer? He makes you an overcomer by putting you in the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley, the, through the darkest valley, valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. In the valley of the shadow of death, God promises you this. He says, I will be with you. You see, his word has to take root in you. The enemies are there. I mean, it's real battle. It's real battle. People will let you down. Fear comes. Shame comes. And they're all shouting at you. You can hear them. You can hear them. Insecurity is there. My, uh, uh, I don't have a job. Uh, insecurity is there. I mean, that's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of problems in the valley of the shadow of death. Sickness is there. 
This is there, that is there. And they're all, you can hear them. And God says, listen, look at me. I will never leave you. Neither will I forsake you. And I want to tell you something. You will pass through the valley. You won't remain there forever. I've got plans for you. But I have to test you. So that your faith is developed. So that you, are, you have overcome that problem. You, otherwise you're not tested. You have to come up. That's why I'm putting you through that. In the valley of the shadow of that. I'm telling you. If you look into the scriptures, every single person went through the valley of the shadow of death. The darkest valley, whether it was David, whether it was Moses, everyone. And including you and I, because God wants to raise you up. Okay? That's his idea. That's his idea. So, we, all these things come and there is a great, great temptation to be negative. To be negative. He tell you something, what happened at home just recently. My wife was going to, she was a lot of pain in her body and this and that. And one evening, she was negative. Uh, you know, all that. Negative, negative. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. Listen carefully. Whether your, when your spouse is negative, and you know it, or whether your boss is negative, and you know it. You know how you should handle it? KMS. Keep mouth shut. I'm telling you it works. Keep mouth shut. But don't keep it mouth shut like this. Not like that. You know these puppies are there, that toys, no? And that's the way to keep mouth shut. I tell you it will work. I'm telling you this worked 100%. So, my wife. She was there in the first service. Don't worry, I told her in front of her. And she knows it is true. Next morning, she got up sweet as a lollipop. I was stunned. I was amazed. But I was still in the same mode, keep mouth shut. And I was listening. Then she sat down for breakfast with me and said, you know, Ivan, I'm sorry. Yesterday, I mean, last night, I was negative. And I told the Lord, Lord, I'm so negative. I'm so stressed. I cast all my cares upon you for you care for me. And delete all those negatives inside me. And Lord, give me sweet dreams. And lo and behold, she got up sweet as a lollipop. It's a fact. And I said to myself, hey, this is a great thing. Because we get stressed in life. We get stressed. And we carry the stress into our sleep. And you know who stresses us? The devil stresses us. And you and I have to what? Overcome. Whom? The devil. We have to overcome. And take all our negatives and throw it and say, God, I cast all my cares upon you. For you careth for me. And when we get up, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mercies never come to an end. What happened? They are what? New every morning. Get up and say, God, it's new mercies this morning. And I'm going to trust that mercy. And you will be sweet as a lollipop. And that is faith in action. Okay? That's in faith in action. And I've seen it and I got so amazed. And I can tell you, heaven will be amazed at you. Because you are now an overcomer. You understand that? You are now an overcomer. Now, from this place, we are going further. 
there is a verse, Revelations 12, verse 11. They triumphed over him. In other versions, it is they overcame him by three things. The blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and not even... They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You see, the devil wants to throw everything at you. You defeat him by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, I'm saved. Jesus has paid for all my sins, so whatever accusations you make against me won't stand. Won't stand. So he's finished there. But a word of your testimony, I will speak that word that I am saved. I belong to Jesus. But the third one is I will not love my life even unto death. See, the worst thing you can do for me, devil, is to kill me, but I'll go to heaven. So whatever you do to me, my answer to you is, so what? So if you can say, so what? But you know, this will happen, so what? But that will happen, so what? But this thing is happening, so what? Because I'm prepared to die, mind you. So I can say, so what? So what? Nothing to worry about. I'll tell you a truth thing. Years ago, when my son was a teenager, and I had a scooter, and he had no driving license, Decided to take the scooter and he went for a spin. And the cops caught him. The cops caught him. They wanted to make, they realized that this is a good bakra, young boy, and he can make some money. So they said, go call your father. So I came. I said, daddy, I'm so sorry, daddy. Just wait, just wait. Cop said, you know, this thing, you know, I'm going to put him in jail. I said, take him. I said, take him. So what? And the cops realized he can't frighten me. He said, okay, I'm leaving him right now. I said, thank you. I just took my son away. I said, son, don't be frightened of these guys. So what? So what? They can't touch you. So what? The devils can't touch you. And you've got to overcome him at every time. Sitting over here before the Lord, the devils, so what? I love the Lord. He loves me and his banner over me is love. What he can do to me? Nothing. Nothing. Just nothing. So what? Okay. So now we are going to go further, right? Last point. Faith developed. When faith is developed and declaration is made, then from an overcomer, you become more than a conqueror. More than. God wants to be. And he wants me to be. And he wants Adonai to be. And he wants the church in Bangalore to be. In fact, he wants the church in India to be. And he wants the church in the whole world to be more than conquerors. Amen? Can you see that? Going back, 1 John 2, 13 and 14. And comparing it with Psalm 23, verse 6. I write to you fathers or mothers. You're no more children. Now, you are no more young men or women. I mean, you're strong as a young man and woman. And you've overcome the evil one. You're overcomers. But he says, now I'm going to raise you up further to be fathers and mothers. Because you know him who is from the beginning. Your relationship with the eternal father is so strong, you're sitting with him. You're sitting with the eternal father. Nothing can shake you. Nothing can shake you. You're more than conquerors. Psalm 23. And you know what you're going to say? You're going to declare, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. You see, this is not a mantra that you declare. Actually, you've got to believe it in your heart. You have faith in God's word. You're sitting with the Father. You have faith in God's word. Faith is developed already inside your heart. It's already developed through the trials and tribulations that you are faced with. You have overcome that and you're coming to a new place after being overcome. You have passed that phase and have come to the last phase. And now you're sitting with the Father. And the word of God is inside your heart. And you declare it. And when you declare God's word, the devil trembles. And all heaven is attracted to your confession. All heaven is behind you. Because you're declaring the word of God. All heaven is excited. All heaven is excited. 1 Corinthians 4.13 It is written, I believed. Therefore I have spoken. First you've got to believe. Your faith is developed. You have become an overcomer. You are developed inside your heart. And now you declare God's word. Because I believe, therefore I speak. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. This, was, this is in 2 Corinthians 4.13, 4, but it was referring to Psalm 116, verse 10 in the Septuagint translation. Anyway, so that is what the Bible says. I believe, therefore I have spoken. We have the same spirit. We believe, therefore we speak. So when we do that, know in all these things, we are more than conquerors, more through him who loved us. The church should be like this. In Numbers 23, verse 21, Balaam was asked to curse Israel. He said, how can I curse them? This is what he said. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with him. The shout of the king is amongst them. The shout of the king is amongst them. When you declare the word of God, the shout of the king is amongst you. Devil trembles. You're more than a conqueror. Let us stand up. We are going to declare God's word. Now I'm going to ask you to declare God's word. Just one word. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Are you willing to say that with all your heart? And say, God, I'm going to say it. Right? I want you to shout it. Because the shout of the Lord is in amongst you. The roar of the lion is in you. The roar of the lion is in you. Declare God's word. Come on. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now you'll shout it. Let it be a roar. Praise the Lord. Praise His name. What a wonderful God we have. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.